A couple more uh, standalone questions. How can God have always existed? I believe in God, but I can't believe that he has always been there. And that's the thing mm. I struggle with. Who created God? God. Wow. That is, in, that is the question of the century. <laughs> you know, I think this is a very philosophical, theological question that is extremely hard to tackle in so many different ways. Right. But if, if, if I'm going to tackle it from this angle, I think it comes from this way. See, in order for time to be created, there has to be a creator. Mm -hmm. And so when God and Jesus, specifically in the book of Revelation, when he says, you know, I am the Alpha and the Omega, like I'm the beginning and the end. Yeah. It's almost like saying there is no time in him. Yeah. Now it's super hard for us to wrap our minds around it because all we know is time. And sometimes time brings death. Yeah. And I feel like sin became this time ticking bomb, you could say, mm -hmm. where the time started ticking for life. It wasn't just necessarily about living forever in the presence of God. Now that sin entered the world and through death, right? There was some sort of now time into play. Mm -hmm. Now, going back to this question, who created God? I think it's a very difficult question to even come, come across as an answer simply because like, ah, oh man, I'm breaking my head on this one, but God had to create Oh man, he's actually gonna help me with this one. I'm losing. So, this is how hard this question is. It's. I think you. I think you. You addressed it correctly at the beginning. That whole idea. This is something that's. It's a. It's more of a philosophical approach. Yeah. Um. You know. If we are creation, he is creator. Mm -hmm. And if he's create, if he's creator, then what the Bible gives the account to then is that there is no other. He is the alpha. He he's always been, yeah. you know, without him, nothing will be. And by him, everything, you know, is what, you know, the way he created it to be. So this idea, I think that God, God, in order for God to be God, he had to exist before time outside of time. Yeah. You know, he has to be, you know, in some sense immaterial in order to create what is material. Yeah. Um, yeah. otherwise he would be limited by those very things. Um, those things would kind of confine okay, him so and limit him like you and me. Okay. Um, so cool. I think that's kind of one of the tensions that we wrestle with when we talk about, well, who created God, in my opinion, biblically and philosophically, God had to always exist in, in order to be God. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely one of the hardest questions to ask. Uh, simply because we're now getting into the mind of God. Like, <laughs> yeah. how how is that even possible? But if there's anything that that you mentioned, Zach, was the fact that once we limit God to time, mm -hmm. once he has a time limit, he's not God anymore. Yeah. 
Like yeah. you just you just took him away from God being everlasting and omnipotent, right? Being all powerful. And so God has to now here's the cool thing. God works with time. Right? God right. works with time, but that doesn't mean he's bounded by time. I and agree. So the, the moment we bet we like pretty much put God in a box of time. He's limited because then that means at some point he just is he gonna die or something? Is it gonna end? Right? And so we gotta think he's just the all powerful, you know, created every single living thing that we could possibly imagine of and even so more. Things that we've never seen in our lives and we'll probably not get to see. Interesting stuff, man. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try. I've never done this before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to pull up a clip clip real quick. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember the uh, the scientist's name. Uh, he's a famous uh, scientist, but he kind of describes this idea, and I want to see if I can pick it up in the audio. Um, mm -hmm. I forget his name. Let's see if we can get this going real quick. In six days, by God. Can you hear that? Okay. Yeah. Being philosophically consistent and being a very honest person, I'm sure you can tell me where God came from. And in addition, in addition, once you've told me where God comes from, uh, please try to clarify how you can figure that a spiritual force can have an impact on a material universe to create it. I think that some years ago we already talked about that kind of thing in uh, philosophical circles at any rate by posing the question if angels are made of uh, spiritual matter and a pen is made of material matter and spiritual matter displaces no space how many angels can dance on the tip of a pen? <laughs> I have a sense of sort of uh, uh, reversal experience here but but please do go ahead you got five minutes now why do you want to wish question that's all right you may take the rest of the minutes we're supposed to do one question at a time which one would you like it was the format for the debate so which which i question? want you to fill in the story of the rest of the uh, beginning of the universe god spiritual matter impact on material matter okay so two questions all right go ahead Right. Your question, where did God come from, assumes that you're thinking of the wrong, uh, obviously it displays, that you're thinking of the wrong God, because the God of the Bible is not affected by time, space, or matter. If he's, if he's affected by time, space, or matter, he's not God. Time, space, and matter is what we call a continuum. All of them have to come into existence at the same instant, because if there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. The Bible answers that in ten words. In the beginning, there's time. God created the heaven, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. So you have time, space, matter created, a trinity of trinities there. Just you know, Time is past, present, future. Space has length, width, height. Matter has solid, liquid, gas. You have a trinity of trinities created instantaneously. And the God who created them has to be outside of them. If he's limited by time, he's not God. The guy who created this computer is not in the computer. He's not running around in there changing the numbers on the screen, okay? The God who created this universe is outside of the universe. He's above it, beyond it, in it, through it. He's, he's unaffected by it. So for... And the, the concept that a, a spiritual uh, force cannot 
have any effect on a material body, well then I guess you'd have to explain to me things like emotions and love and hatred and envy and jealousy and, and rationality. I mean, if your brain is just a random collection of chemicals that formed by chance over billions of years, how on earth can you trust your own reasoning processes and the thoughts that you, you think? Okay, so... Bro. If your, your question, <laughs> where did God come from, is assuming a limited God. And that's your problem. The God that I worship is not limited by time, space, or matter. If I could fit the infinite God in my three-pound brain, he would not be worth worshiping. That's for certain. So that's the God that I worship. Thank you. Bro, like, all, that's all kinds <laughs> of rude right there. <laughs> that's all kinds of rude. But uh, I... I think yeah. Once you start going down that road, you the at some time at some point, scripture calls it the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. There's no way we could possibly comprehend all these things, even even in terms of love and what God did for us on the cross. Spirit yeah. of prophecy. Ellen White says that's going to be the science of heaven is trying to understand this love that God has for His creation. Yes, yes, um, yes. So it's a it's a challenging challenging idea, but. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of moving on, it kind of ties into that. It's the same person asked the following question. How can I then have a relationship with God when I struggle with believing the core of how he himself exists? Right. And, and let me just tackle this question. Uh, for the believer who reads the Bible, you cannot come in with a... So here's, here's the cool thing about Scripture. Scripture already has God in the picture. Right. It's it can, it does not try the nature of scripture is not trying to convince you that there is a god mm -hmm. rather it already there is a god yeah. if that makes sense it's it not trying it. to be like yeah like everyone in scripture all these people through history we talk about the prophets we talk about anybody who encountered god these people were not by any means any type of atheists or mm -hmm. trying to doubt if there was God. In fact, they had levels of communication with God because they knew that God existed, right? Yeah. And so once, once we bound God to kind of to what he was talking about, uh, the guy, once, once we kind of try to bring like factual evidence to everything that we do, I often think about, do I need to prove everything in order for me to be, in order to believe it? Mm -hmm. Or can I trust someone at their word? Right? Like Pastor Zach, like, let's just say right there in Scottsdale, right? You saw, you, you told me, hey, you know, I was driving down this intersection and I had to pump my brakes because I saw this car accident happen right in front of me. Mm -hmm. Right? And I'm like, whoa, okay, show me the facts. And they're like, well, yeah. you know, I didn't take any pictures. I was just kind of in the moment. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't believe you because yeah. you, you're not showing me the facts. Rather, I trust you enough to take it by your word, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even Romans 1.20, for since the beginning of the world, God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen, you know, including his attributes, mm -hmm. the entire Godhead through that which has been made so men are without excuse. This idea that within creation itself exists enough evidence um, 
for God so we don't have an excuse not to believe in him. But it's almost like right. it's almost like God gives us every excuse to believe in him, but not God is not trying to coerce us or manipulate yeah. us or to trick us enough into yeah. believing him. Yeah. You know I mean, how many of you you're we can give you full evidence that hot Cheetos are bad for you. There is hardcore evidence, you yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> that you should not be drinking like what Coca-Cola can do to the inside of your stomach. Have you seen what it does to inside Ooh, of a toilet bowl? Every morning. You know, monster. Like we can show you the hard evidence that this stuff is horrible for you. But that yeah. doesn't change you. <laughs> it doesn't <Yeah>. change the <laughs> evidence doesn't change the fact that you want it. So, you know, any absence of evidence doesn't change the fact that we were meant for it. You know, it doesn't change the right. fact that we don't exist for this. I think God yes. has given us plenty of evidence, enough evidence right. by which we can base our faith on him. Exactly. But never so much that we have no choice, but you know what I mean? To force us into yes. relationship with him. At some, yes. point, at some point, you're just asking God to begin to manipulate you to believe in right. him. And that's contrary to, you know, who he is. To the gospel and everything, yeah. right? And and just to add to that answer, um, to the person who's probably struggling through this, asking this type of question, first of all, ask God these questions. Yo, yeah. you exist, right? And just watch God show that to you, yeah, like true. his existence, right? The other way that you, I would approach this is look at the life of Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, you're looking at the life of God. Yeah. Straight up. I don't think I could get any more into detail. I think it's as simple as it is yeah. when you're walking with Christ and you're understanding his mission, you're understanding his love, everything that you're understanding about Jesus, you're also understanding the character and literally the resemblance of the father. Yeah. I think, I think that was, I think that was perfectly put. On the question, you know, how can I have a relationship with then, then with him mm -hmm. if I struggle with believing at the core of how he himself exists? We know mm -hmm. in scripture that even God is sure of himself. He says, uh, when Moses is unsure of him, he says, well, who do I say, you know, sent me? Yes. People ask me, what does he say? Yes. I am who I am. I am. Who I am. Mm -hmm. I am who I am. And we know in Hebrew, it has several connotations, meaning I've been who I've been. I am who I am. And I'll continue to be um who i've been he so this is a statement of self-awareness that god is self-aware of his own existence so mm. meaning if god is aware of himself and the fact that he is exists we don't need to be certain for him our responsibility is just simply put that faith in him mm -hmm. you know what i mean um it's not our responsibility growing up to play the role of our parent our parent fills that role in our lives it would be inappropriate right. and it would be not good for us to assume to grow up that quickly we're supposed to experience childhood yeah. and be sure of ourselves but where uncertainty yeah. about ourselves comes into play is when we're constantly concerned about being somebody else or filling a role that doesn't mm. involve us that creates uncertainty that creates discord um so yeah. god is sure of himself and you know matthew i love bringing up this passage i i, I live by this matthew chapter 28 you know, following Jesus's ascension and yeah. resurrection, Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 16 and 17 says, then the 11, Matthew 28, verses 16 and 17, it says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
you know, they're going by faith. Um, in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted him. So there exists a capacity within humanity to both worship God and have Mm -hmm. doubts about God at the same time. This is the beauty of having a relationship with him. We don't need to be in order to be faithful to believers to with a hundred percent certainty constantly, you know, without a doubt, believe everything, but we can still worship him. Um, even though we're struggling, this is, we wouldn't need faith if there wasn't any room for doubt. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, this person, Pastor Zach, this rap artist, Pastor, uh, Taylor Gray. Oh yeah. Um, in one of his tracks, he pretty much, and I'm pretty much paraphrasing, but he's like, one of his lines, he's like, I'm comfortable with mystery Mm. because I know it's him who holds me together. Something along those lines. You know, and and it's true. I love that. I'm actually comfortable with not knowing every single thing about God, because then I'm like, if I knew every single thing about God, is that really God? (laughs) Well, even. Yeah, yeah. no, keep going. Sorry. I was saying he's so unlimited. I can't even put that in my brain. (laughs) Yeah, he's so big. And even think about the mystery of attraction. You're attracted to people oftentimes that you don't always really know, right? It's our stuff as an attraction. They're mysterious. You want to get to know them. Uh, That's why you want to date them. You want to hang out with them. If you just knew everything about them right up front, maybe you wouldn't even like them. Or maybe it doesn't really concern you because all those things aren't important, aren't as important as where you are at in your relationship to them. Right, uh, right. It takes time. It takes time. This is the beauty of the mystery of the gospel. This is why Paul says, I gave my life to this because this one thing I want to do is just know Christ yeah. and know Christ crucified. I have a hunger for getting to know him. This is eternal life. Yeah. That I may know you, God. So exactly. it's it's the beauty of the journey is getting to know him. Yeah. And, and I guess the question to me is like, is information seeking all that it is in a relationship Hmm. like is that your goal of any type of relationship like yeah forget the actual person i just want to know things about you yeah it's it's a kind of a weird dynamic to that right i think that's good i think that's good now getting in uh as we kind of begin to land the plane here you know this next question is hard if you're not confident you know it's, it's a little bit more challenging if you're not at peace, you know, mm. with the last question of just, you know, having mm. that faith in God, stepping forward, not knowing that you don't probably know everything about him, but that's okay. Yeah. You don't need to know everything about him. You are right. only responsibility is to live in relationship with him. So the next question is, how does one tell people about God without being embarrassed? So how oh. do you tell other people about God without being embarrassed? Mm. Mm. So, so I guess uh, a, a good question to that is, where is the embarrassment coming from? Yeah. You know, we, we think about this. And, and sure, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, man, people have made a fool of Christianity. And, you know, it's just, and, and rightfully so. At times, there have been moments where I'm like, yo, the decisions that yeah. many Christians have made and misrepresenting God, mm. I feel like I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to share this to you because it's such a skewed 
type of, of way of looking at it, right? Yeah. So, so part of this question is, and I know it, it may just be as simple as this, but I feel like it really comes down to this. Show people the God of the Bible. Yeah. The God of the Bible. I'm telling y'all, if you just look at some of the stuff, you may not have the whole day to look at everything in scripture, but if you just take portions of it, even just for the time being, I guarantee you, mm-hmm. you're going to see things that bring you closer to God. You're mm-hmm. going to be like, whoa, hold on. And, and, and Pastor Zach, Pastor Henderson told me this once while we were having a discussion on theology and um, the, the grace, the, the, the mercy of God. I think that's what we were talking about. And he pretty much said, if you ever read a portion in scripture and you think, whoa, this is way too good to be true. He's like, you've, you've found something (laughs) because God is so much more than that. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, "Uh, that's a really great offer right there, but I feel like it's it's a bit sketch. Like it's too good to be true. You found something there. That's what he told me. And I, and I will always remember that. Yeah. I think that's what makes me so excited to share about Bible class or to even preach. It's like, I found something that is either too good to be true. This is mind blowing, man, knowing this changes some type of thing, right? It makes me excited to share what I'm learning because I'm not necessarily sharing to like, you know, make someone love Jesus. I'm sharing to expose them to the fact of why I love Jesus. Mm. Um, and, and to me, it's just all your intention with how were you sharing? Are you sharing out of obligation? Then yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps it's going to be a little bit more embarrassing. You know, when you go up front in class and you have to share a presentation about something that's not exciting, you know, it's, it's, it's intimidating, you know, but when you're yeah. asked to talk about your favorite thing, you know, then you might get more excited and you might liven up a exactly. little bit because now you're sharing about <laughs> something that actually makes you happy. So yeah. in- intention's a big thing and uh, I can follow that. And one of my favorite quotes, this is attributed to uh, Francis of Assisi, but we don't know that it actually okay. came from him, is uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. So here's the thing. We put too much pressure on ourselves to be little preachers and evangelists. Yes. You know, to have the right words, to say the right yes. things. And you know what I mean? We, we put that pressure on ourselves. But I think what's more important than talking about being a Christian is actually being a Christian. So I think what spoke louder in Jesus's ministry is not always what he said, but how Mm. he lived. Um, You know, there's more writing in the Bible. Like Paul gave more teaching than Jesus ever did. But Mm. Jesus lived in such a powerful way. So I think sometimes you don't have to put pressure on yourself of, you know, man, this, you know, how do I, you know, tell this person about Jesus, you know, if you have the opportunity to, and you feel like doing it for sure, do it. But more importantly, Mm. I think, I think just live it, expose people to it. And I think that'll give them that Ellen White describes it as this aroma, this, you know, when you walk by somebody and they're wearing cologne or perfume, and it's so yeah. overbearing and you're like, dang, like, you know what I mean? What was that? Maybe it's so good. You're like, yo, you stopped that person. You're like, yo, what is that cologne? Like, I need to get that. Or wow, that smells right. good. 
the, she talks about the fragrance of Christianity. When you begin to live it, like people will be attracted to it. People will pick up on it and people will want it. Yes. Dude, yes. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I think to me that's that's one of the that's one of the main things. So, you know, if you're embarrassed by it, are you really enjoying it and check your attention mm. on it? What am, how am I doing this? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Why are people lazy in making time for God? Why is it so hard to want God in the same way that he wants you? Right. <laughs> the struggle of everyone. <laughs> yes. Everyone's struggle. The, the, it's everyone's struggle. Everyone. You're not alone. There's billions of people literally struggling with the same thing. But what it comes down to is your priority of life. Yeah. What do you... What are you giving your most attention to? Yeah. Is it the relationship you're in? Is it the friends that you're around? Is it school? Mm. You know, is it family time? You know, all these, all these things are very important things. And I'm not trying to negate all those things and say, no, you need to drop all those things and have one single relationship with God. Yeah. Right. It's nothing like that. I feel like what it really comes down to is what are your priorities in life? Mm. Right, what, what are you putting on this huge pedestal that is completely devoting your time every single day, right? Yeah. And so you ask yourself, so then if I have all of these priorities in life, where's my priority with God? Where's mm. my time with God, Right. And so I think we struggle a lot in our society in America because we're constantly having different priorities everywhere. We're in this like hustle culture where you work harder, you make more money, and therefore all your time is devoted to working hard, right? right? Uh, schooling, trying to chase that piece of paper mm -hmm. that is going to get you to the next thing, right? Right. So all these factors play in and we're constantly driven by different things. We're taken away by different things. And we find ourselves like in a moment where we're like, well, then where's been God? Where's God this whole time? Hmm. And it's like, well, uh, I mean, what have, have you talked to him? No. Yeah. Like, well, it's not been your priority. Oh, just a food for thought. It's true, man. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're naturally selfish human beings. So the first thing that I do when I wake up, I'm like, how can I serve me? Uh, what yeah. food am I going to eat this morning? Man, I need to get ready. Mm. Oh, man, I got to get ready for, you know, there's so many things kind of pulling at me that the last thing I'm thinking is, man, I want to spend some time with Jesus right now. Yeah. You know, it's not natural. <laughs> I don't always feel that. There are some mornings where I wake up and it's been such a hard week that I'm like, the only thing I want is Jesus right now. I don't yeah. want anything with anybody. I just want Jesus right now. So there are times where I'm crying out and my soul's just naturally like, you right. know, I'm wanting this, but there are moments where I'm like, man, I spend, you know, when I spend time with Jesus, it can be anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. And there are times where like, I can use that to work out or I'd rather do this thing or I'd rather, right. You know, there's so many distractions, but I think the thing is like, you know, you just got to make that choice to choose to prioritize yeah. it. If you're going to take, and, yeah. Yeah. And just to add to what you're saying, um, I think a lot of the times we measure it on quantity. Yeah. How many times I need a, you know, three times a day, you know, yeah. these three times. Right. But then you think about what if 
okay, let's say it wasn't every single day, but it was at least three or four times a, in a week that yeah. you found yourself this quality time with God. Like yeah. you've been talking to God, but then all of a sudden you're in traffic for us folks in LA. There's a lot of time in between traffic, right? When you're in your car, yeah. I use that time to not just, I like, I shut my music down sometimes and I'm just like, let me actually talk to God right here. Mm. And I find myself in this 10 to 15 minute conversation with God. And it's so, dude, there's so much quality in that. Yeah. So I think it, it comes down to that. Yeah. Not quantity, but quality is a big part of it. And also, well, the last thing I'll say on it is don't romanticize it. You know, I think yeah. we as preachers can be guilty of making, I believe, I mean, <laughs> I genuinely love spending time with Jesus. Like I have some powerful, worshipful moments in the word and in yeah. prayer and it's a life changing, but just because I can get to that mountaintop and sometimes just because I experience it doesn't mean you'll always experience it or you'll always go. Yeah. Sometimes we do over romanticize it a little yeah. bit and it takes work like any relationship. You got to put your best foot forward in order to get the most out of it. So yeah. Don't you know we can't really start complaining about it. it's not exciting and it's boring when you've barely even tried it. You'll commit right. tons of hours into playing Minecraft or tons of hours into watching a TV show because yeah. it's self-serving. And maybe mm -hmm. you'll get something great out of it, but that's because you put the time into it, like a sport. Right. But you can't expect to spend a week or two with God, you know, and expect to all of a sudden be like Superman or Wonder Woman, you know, after the time you've spent with him. Yes. It's a process. Jesus journeyed yeah. with his disciples, you know, for, yeah. for a while. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight automatically. Yes. Love it. So, um, here's you know as uh we kind of finish up with these last two questions this one's kind of sure. unique and there might be more to this one um than i'm reading but it says when i think of heaven and living forever i get really scared and i get like sick to my stomach why mm. <laughs> <a> good question <laughs> so I, mm, uh do you know where ah man so there's heaven and then it's like wow Okay, here, here's the thing. I think I think I know where I'm going with this question and how to how to answer this. I think we get this bad perception of heaven. Yeah, let's put it that way. You know, we grown up in in preachers saying, you know, in heaven we're going to be worshiping God 24 seven. We have a little speck of what heaven is like. Mm -hmm. We don't we don't have the full picture of it, and I feel yeah. like that's the cool mystery part about it. And so. When you think about, and, and we often think it's a super happy place. Everybody's super happy. And yeah. then that's it. And that's as far as we go. <laughs> right. Let me tell you to this person, man, think about a place where there's no stress anymore. And not just that, there's no worry anymore. Mm. There's no more crying. There's no more death. There's no more what hurts you and what hurts other people around you Yeah. and being in the presence of God and asking these questions to God and, and, and just enjoying the time that was created for Adam, right? Mm -hmm. Ideally. And for all of us now into play. Right. And so I think 
when it comes down to this, I feel like we just have this really bad perception of heaven. Like heaven is just a place where we're all just going to be sitting down like a church service <laughs> yeah. and the organ's going to be playing and the angels are going to be singing and we're in this concert 24-7. <laughs> An eternal we church just, service. We just, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we just don't know. But yeah. I, if there's anything that we do know in the book of Revelation is that no more tears, no more hurting, sin is done. Yeah. Yeah, I think of almost just like a safe space where sin is no longer our reality. We are free from the actual physical consequences of, you know, you know, sin in that reality. And, you know, the reason why you could be getting scared is just because, yeah, like Pastor Randy said, either you don't know what to anticipate when you think of heaven. Mm-hmm. So that makes you nervous. And maybe within your own home life, you might be experiencing something that's not exciting um, yeah. from, you know, family that's supposed to be representing Christianity. Ellen White says that uh, the home is supposed to, uh, supposed to be a piece of heaven on earth. You know, they say Disneyland, the greatest place on earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Ellen White says the home is supposed to be heaven on earth. So when you walk into a right. home, it's supposed to be like that Garden of Eden, this amazing space. So maybe you're not experiencing that. So when you hear it, you get nervous about it because you're like, well, if my home life isn't that good and these people are claiming to love Jesus um, and then heaven's supposed to be full of these types of people, oh, ooh, no. that makes me a little <laughs> bit nervous. That makes me so... You know, there could right. be there could be various aspects to that. But just know heaven will be better than you can ever imagine. But it's not the pay, this place that makes it special. It's the people, right? Yeah. Your home, well, you know, home is where the heart is, but it's the people that fill the home that make the home. Yeah. Uh, so amazing. So think of heaven because of the, the person that's going to be there, and that's Jesus. And if we are we who are in heaven are supposed to be like Jesus, then I think that's going to yeah. be a good thing. Yeah. And, and just real quick, it's like, like, for example, uh, you know, Pastor Zach, like, let's say I went to Arizona tomorrow and like, yo, let's take a trip to Sedona or, <laughs> right. or the Grand Canyon. And, you know, I have all this ready and I'm like, yo, I'm so excited to go to the Grand Canyon. But especially with Pastor Zach, like, it's just going to be a good bro time. And yep. then all of a sudden you're like, yo, I can't go anymore. Then it's like, I mean, oh. sure. I, you know, I'm going to go <laughs> to the Grand Canyon by myself, but it's not the same. It's not the same as Pastor Zach was in. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, uh, and bring up Jonathan Henderson again. He always said, like, going to Disneyland, <laughs> it's more about the car ride. If the car ride with the family isn't fun, then Disneyland's probably not going to be fun. It's about yeah. the there and the people who are you're with. Yeah. Uh, not just about being there. All right. Last question. How do you know if you are baptized by the Holy Spirit? Is it different from being baptized physically, from being physically? My goodness. This is a wild one. Yo, whoever (laughs) asked this question, please give them. If you ever find out, give them an extra point on that final. Wow, this is really good. Let Let me tackle this question from this angle. Baptism in a physical form, right? We're talking about baptism in in the water. Right. Baptism in the water says is a public announcement saying everybody here is my witness as me giving my life to Christ Mm. and God calling me to this specific area of life. Right. And so when we think about baptism, it's like a commitment. You're it's like a marriage. 
Yeah. I mean, you think about it, a wedding, nine out of the 10, and, and let me ask you real quick, Pastor Zach, on your wedding day, did you, to a degree, feel more it was for your people that you invited as your guests, mm. or did you feel like it was truly for my wife and I? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> speaking candidly, yeah, it's like that 80-20 rule. <laughs> I, for me, 80%, it's for your family. It's for the community. So you can be yeah. a part of the celebration. It's for you too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. special to you. But yeah. what my wife and hat, what my wife and I had before the wedding, to me, that was just the most important thing. I don't need an yeah. actual big ceremony to secure, you know, right. if I want to be with her or not. Absolutely. And so, it, you know, you think about uh, baptisms in, in a sim- uh, very similar type of way. You know, it's it's a public announcement saying, hey, this is my relationship with God and I'm taking it seriously. Yeah. Right. I'm meeting God in the water. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of the Holy Spirit, this is powerful. Let's break this down theologically. Yeah. In the book of John, uh, we see that people are being baptized through John the Baptist, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. His baptism was about repentance. It wasn't necessarily giving your life to God. So yeah. before Jesus came in and was baptized, because I feel like it changed the meaning of baptism. Yeah. It was more of like, I did something wrong and I want to change it. So I'm going to mm-hmm. go to the waters and go into baptism. So it's interesting because if you go to Acts chapter 19, there's a, there's a segment in Acts chapter 19. And let me just, getting my bible out it's nighttime here so can't really see <laughs> with my physical <laughs> bible but let's go to acts chapter 19 i believe it's in 19 because i've read it several several times uh acts 19 the riot it's a huge chapter yeah it's a long one okay it's a it's a is it acts 19 Yes. Okay. So read this. Watch this, bro. Verse one says, while Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions of the reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Verse two says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them and he says, no, no, they replied. We haven't heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So verse three says, then what baptism did you experience? And he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. So this is repentance, right? Yeah. And so Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, right? Mm -hmm. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Right. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Then... When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. Mm. Interesting, right? And yeah. so these 12, these 12 men were not baptized by the Holy Spirit. They were baptized into water. So I'm assuming before the time of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so they didn't even know who the Holy Spirit was. And so when we talk about baptism through the Holy Spirit, Baptism through the Holy Spirit is saying, I accept Jesus into my heart. Yeah. And so once you accept Jesus into your heart, it's like you're now professing this, not just out loud, 
but you're professing this and saying, I accept Jesus as my personal savior. And therefore it's like this public announcement that leads to some sort of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because yeah. now you acknowledge that Jesus is your savior and therefore you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. Yeah. I think that is as clear as day. I don't think you could have made it any more clearer um, <laughs> than that. I think that was, I think that was perfectly put. Yeah. I think I love that. The, the, you know, we always say the physical act of baptism is a representation of what's already going on to the power of the mm. Holy spirit, but the Holy spirit is the actual person. I mean, I've heard it said that the Holy spirit is the actual like person of God spiritually with us and in us it's god it's the paracletos it's the helper that goes mm -hmm. with us so i think as long as you have a relationship with god and you're abiding with him and you're connecting with him then the holy spirit you know what i mean god is walking with you i do think it's rightful though to ask for the holy spirit when you're studying the word of god i do think it's yeah. appropriate that we are supposed to ask for the Holy Spirit to come upon us, um, yeah. you know what I mean, or to come and join us. So I think it's something you can even pray for. You know, uh, uh, professor, our professor, Professor Kim at Pacific Union College, yeah. uh, Lorenzo <laughs> Kim, that's one of the things he definitely taught us. You know, we pray to God our Father and we pray in the name of Jesus, but we always leave out the Holy Spirit. Never right. feel afraid to include the Holy Spirit to be a part of your experience. Yeah. Ask yeah. for the Holy Spirit to come and be with you because that's who God sent us in his absence. He right. said to his disciples, greater things you will do than I have done because of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send to you. Yes, so yes, yes. he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you are going to be my witnesses in all of, you know, Jerusalem. And Jerusalem. Speaking of about sharing Christ, you know, and being a witness for him, a witness is someone who's just testifying to something they've experienced, something that they've right. seen, that they were a part of. So, yeah, I think that's, I think as long as you have that relationship with God and you're actively seeking him, it's almost like by default, it's something mm -hmm. that comes in your relationship with him. Right. But I believe when we get deeper in our relationship with them, we become aware of all the resources and everything we have access to yes. as a byproduct of having a relationship with them. Like I just joined YouTube premium and right. I still don't even know all that comes with YouTube premium. I have it and I'm a recipient <laughs> because I have access to it. Even as I continue with it, I'm learning more of what comes along with it. So right. that's simply put, um, you know, the power of the power of God in our relationship with him. Yeah. And, and, and just to end off on this uh, last question, it's, it's sometimes difficult for us to be like talking to the Holy spirit or, yeah. you know, do we include the, what is the Holy spirit? Right. And so if you think about it, it's, it's a fairly new gift so to speak because after in the book of acts it's and jesus even mentioned himself like he's like yo this is actually good that i'm going to my father because therefore i can't always be with you in that sense but the holy spirit will mm -hmm. right he's like the holy spirit is going to be with you every single place and wherever you go yeah. and that makes so much sense to the rest of scripture when god is like yo lo for i am with you wherever you go this is the yeah. exact same thing in calling on the holy spirit exactly
I think that's uh, that's an that's a, that's an ex- excellent way to end it and to and to put it, man. Pastor Randy, thank you so much for sharing, bro. <laughs> you are incredible. We just had some real talk on this podcast. Uh, hey, that's yeah. the, name of the podcast, real talk. <laughs> um, thank you for your ministry, man. Let's lead people to Jesus. I mean, we're talking about the Holy yeah. Spirit, man. The Holy Spirit working in a variety of ways, man. If any of you who are listening want to receive the Holy Spirit in your life, you can ask God right now. And yeah. scripture says it's the privilege that we have when we go to God as our, you know, as sons and daughters of God, we have access mm-hmm. to this immense blessing uh, in Christ Jesus, known as the Holy Spirit. And they'll begin the process of bringing you closer to him. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll, it'll definitely start it. So Absolutely. yeah, if any of you are wanting to start today and you want to begin that relationship with Jesus, now's the time. Paul says today is the day of salvation. So, yeah. You know, I, I I love these. I love answering questions because it's an opportunity to explore the mystery of God, and it's the opportunity yeah. to explore just like all these beautiful, you know, understandings that we have as a result of getting to know Him. But right. nothing compares to actually having a relationship with Him. And once mm. again, I don't want to romanticize for it. You gotta, you know, you gotta put in the effort in order to begin to develop it. But yeah. I tell you, nothing compares to it. It is completely mm. worth it. And now is the time more than ever to start it, to, to begin this relationship. Right. right. So, um, Pastor Randy, would you pray us out, man? Yeah, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Here we are calling to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And Father, anybody who uh, is listening to this um, podcast, that Father God, may they be able to draw closer to you. May they be able to have this encounter, experience, life, with the creator mm-hmm. that created all of us together. And Father, there are so many of us that are asking the same type of questions. And yeah. God, it's so amazing that you still have commonality and the same answers, but it's so personal to us. Mm-hmm. And so God, we thank you for that because you know exactly where we're at in our personal walk with you. Whether yeah. it's existing or not, <laughs> you are still calling us every single day. And Father, I yeah. just pray that if there's any listener right now who's willing to just say, God, I give my life to you. Let it happen through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for this time and space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.